Welcome back to the show. This is the ADF Underground brought to you by All Day Football. What's up, y'all? I am your host, Chris Lee. Call me Chouse. Welcoming you back to another episode. I know it has been another couple weeks since our last podcast. But again, we've been in the lab just grinding out the work once again. Things will start to pick up for the podcast as uh, my responsibilities with the Fantasy Headliners has lightened up. We have dropped the draft guide for the fantasy headliners definitely check that out it is chock full of information uh the adf playbook will be on board as well so we will be working on that furiously to get that out before uh around mid-july hopefully we can get that release date uh but that will be chock full of information as well so definitely check out both uh, draft guides uh they will help you definitely immensely in uh, the upcoming fantasy football season nevertheless this show will be about nfl teams we will break down the team since uh we are getting closer to nfl training camp hopefully uh, uh covid doesn't spoil that we are i believe less than a month away from training camps opening but we are seeing a lot of states already going back into the lockdown. I heard Arizona uh, today is locking uh, and restricting a lot of things. Uh, Texas, I heard. Florida, I heard, is going to be coming out huge with uh, lockdowns again because cases are spiking. So hopefully that doesn't impact the NFL season. Uh, we're starting to see the NBA come back. Possibly uh, hockey uh, will be coming back. MLB is coming back. So so we'll see. I mean, hopefully the NFL has good safety measures in place that this will happen. So I thought it was a good time to actually break down uh the the teams we'll do it by division division by division uh that way at least we can have four teams per show but it should be good i mean i I like what i see from a lot of these teams and it's going to be exciting uh, along the road so let's jump in right away and discuss the new england patriots and i mean why not we'll start with the afc east and uh and discuss the patriots since the big news broke yesterday that mr cam newton himself has signed with the new england patriots to replace tom brady uh uh, for the upcoming season he did sign what i believe it was a 7.5 million dollar contract it is a one-year deal and i mean are we surprised we knew we knew cam newton was gonna sign somewhere i mean i've i've tweeted about this i've spoken about cam many times and and it is uh it wasn't uh a thought process to believe that he was going to be out of the league in 2020. It was just finding the right uh, right spot, and there was only a handful of teams really vying, uh, having an open position for the quarterback spot. And I mean, that was the Patriots, that was the Chargers. You could throw in the Bears in that sense as well, because um, their carousel with Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky uh, obviously is wide open. But he chose to go and play with Bill Belichick in hopes that he could uh, compete for a Super Bowl. And I mean, you got to think right off off the bat that does lift their spirits it does put them in an advantageous situation that they could compete in the AFC once again to at least gain that wild card and and I mean Cam when we we talk about Cam what does he really have left I mean the concern is uh has always been his injuries now so um we we know that how much work he takes how much punishment he takes uh on the field all the hits that he takes but I mean you see my biggest problem with Cam was you're going back to the 2018 season, um, and I believe it was a Thursday night showing against the Pittsburgh Steelers where I really saw a difference in Cam Newton's throwing motion, and that was quite a concern for me. Um, his his throwing motion was completely altered. He did not look like the same guy, um, and obviously that shoulder was a massive concern. Then following it up in 2019 where he was lost to that foot injury for the entire year, they had to put him on injured reserve um I believe it was week two. So he basically missed the entire season last year. And I mean, the writing was on the wall. Coach Ron Rivera was done. Uh, he was going to lose his job in Carolina and Cam Newton was going to leave as a new coaching staff. Obviously wants to go in their own direction, but moving to the Patriots, I think this is a very intriguing offense now with Newton on there. Um, he, he, he's, he's got that multi-dimensional dual threat. Uh, always has been that running quarterback. He gives new England a very, 
very different look than what they've had with Tom Brady. And and when you're talking about this offense, their offensive line, we'll start it there. I mean, the offensive line is still very stout. I mean, Isaiah Wynn is coming back from injury, um, so he can hold down that left tackle position. I'm, I'm more than confident that he can. And that offensive line is extremely stout. I mean, Cam, this has been a problem for Cam uh, in, his, in his past with the Panthers, is that he hasn't enjoyed having a stellar offensive line like this. And I think that will help Cam dissecting defenses and it being able to throw the ball. Cam is still removed, what, about five years, uh, I believe, four or five years from his MVP season. Um, so, I mean, his play has dropped off. Uh, he, I believe he only has one 4,000-yard season. That MVP season had 35 touchdowns. He's never come close to hitting the 35-touchdown mark again in his career. But, I mean, with this, with this team, I mean, they have a plethora of running backs. Obviously, it's James White and Sony Michelle. They lead the, the carries. You still got Rex Burkhead, Brandon Bolden, and then you got Damian Harris. So, I mean, there this could be... Um, where we see the Patriots move toward that run-heavy um, club. I can, I can definitely see them altering it. Bill Belichick and uh, Josh McDaniels are going to alter the system to be that more run-heavy approach. But then you have the opportunity with the receivers, with Edelman still there, with uh, Nikhil Harry, with Mohamed Sanu. I believe the play-action pass will definitely benefit these three. I haven't. The, the question I have is when we start talking about fantasy football, will Julian Edelman be that stud um, that he was with Tom Brady? Will he be that way with Cam Newton? Right now, I was debating and deliberating um, and I kind of think that Mohamed Sanu might actually see the greatest uptick um, simply because Cam didn't really feed a slot position in his time with the Panthers granted they didn't have um, a, a notable weapon like Julian Edelman over the middle so I mean the dynamics of this offense are definitely going to be different without Tom Brady but I could definitely see Nikhil Harry and Mohamed Sanu having greater roles on the outside uh, utilizing that arm uh, if that arm is definitely intact for Newton I mean that is still the question mark I mean and if his if Newton's running ability is uh, uh, taken something of a step back, then I could see more heavy usage for the running backs when it comes to uh, Michelle White and and Burkhead and and so on. Maybe even Damian Harris takes on a bigger role as well. Um, but this offense does look very good with Newton on board, uh, a lot better than it would have with uh, the. Jared Statham I think uh, obviously if it was Statham the, the Patriots uh, likely would have been in the basement in this division uh, now with Cam on board I do believe that they will be highly competitive and will be fighting for that wild card as for the division I still don't really want to say um, that the division is, is is the Patriots at this point simply because Newton now is signing here we are in July basically we're a few days from July and and now the crunch time comes in to learn a new playbook learn a new system um, so the familiarity with his receivers not having any offseason uh, workouts with these guys I mean that's going to be huge uh, chemistry building is always massive for any quarterback coming on a team and, and that's something that they will not have um, so we could see a lot of missteps offensively early on where they could uh, the Patriots could maybe start to gain wind uh, in the past game around week six uh, uh, but you never know I mean if Cam is fully healthy then he, he could be highly productive no question about it the receiving core is there I mean it's it's is it argumentative that that this is the best wide receiving core that we've seen for Cam I mean uh, you can say it's the most balanced I would think uh, uh, that's a great argument uh, he has played with guys like Steve Smith and uh, DJ Moore but I mean overall when you're talking about the balance in the receiving core, I think I think this is a major step up and an upgrade for what Cam has had, especially with that offensive line. I mean, this is probably one of the better situations we've seen Newton uh, come into. As for the defense, so a lot of people want to discuss the Patriots' defense to say that they still are tops in the league. And I really want to question that simply because of the losses on the in the linebacking core. They lost Jamie uh, Collins, they lost uh, Kyle Van Noy, and and now you have pieces here that weren't here last year or they're they're definitely not they're downgrades in my opinion. That's for sure. I mean, you got Brandon Copeland 
You got Juwan Bentley. You still have Dante uh, Hightower, and 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 you have Calhoun. I mean, that to me is definitely not even up to par when it comes to Jamie Collins and Kyle Van Noy. Um, it is a step back. The biggest. Uh, uh, strength still on this defense is that secondary. That defensive backfield still is very stacked. I mean, you got the McCordy brothers still playing. Patrick Chun is still there, and you still have Stephon Gilmore. So, I mean, <clears throat> when it comes to this this secondary, they will be the leaders. Uh, without a question. I mean, you have Adrian Phillips as well, so there's adequate depth at the safety position if if needed. And, and I mean, I believe that the coverage will, again, dictate the sacks the Patriots got last year. It'll, it'll mimic what they did last season uh, without a question in my mind. I mean, they didn't really add any huge pass rushers to this squad. I mean, Chase Vinovich, he was still the baller. I think he's going to be very good. Um, um, but outside of that, I mean, you have Josh Oosh. He is that a linebacker as well. I mean, there's lots of good things. He's that rookie coming in this year. There are lots of good things being said about him. So if he pans out, I mean, then your linebacking core definitely sees a, a, an, an uptick for the Patriots as well. But I believe coverage sacks are going to be uh, massive for this team. If, if uh, their secondary can lock teams down like they did last year, you're going to see the pressure come uh, come at quarterbacks. But I, I really believe they're, they're not not going to be as good against the run. I believe that their sack uh, uh, potential um, for getting to opposing quarterbacks is going to suffer as well. I don't see near enough um, uh, talent, uh, s- superstar talent, to uh, push uh, push the envelope and, and hit the agenda for getting over what maybe 35 sacks on the season i mean that's kind of where i see them them fitting in but overall as a team i mean like we're saying with cam newton now on board um this team goes from from potentially what six five six wins to now anywhere from eight to ten wins i mean it is it is uh very easy to see i mean the patriots straight the schedule is uh in their favor i believe once again they i believe they sit around the middle of the pack this year um so it is very very much doable. Um, but let's move on to the next team that I am the great supporter of, which you all know is the Buffalo Bills. Bills Mafia. This is the season for the Buffalo Bills. There is no question about it. It is uh, you got to win this division. You got to at least make it to round two of the postseason. Otherwise, you're considering this a massive fail, um, in my opinion. The Bills went shopping. They went trading this offseason. Uh, Brandon Bean and Coach Sean McDermott have put their stamp on this club, and they have built a beautiful roster, in my opinion. Um, we'll start off with the defense with the Buffalo Bills. And, and, and the strength of this club, you got to still say, is the defensive side of the ball. And if there is a weakness, it could be looked at in the line, on the linebacking court. When you look at this defensive line, I, I, I really truly um, will be hard-pressed for anybody to convince me that this isn't the best defensive line in the entire league. And I'm talking with your starters and with your depth position. So let me let me round out some names and, and rhyme them off for you here. We have Mario Addison coming over from the Panthers. You have Ed Oliver. You have Starlo Talele. You have Jerry Hughes. You have Trent Murphy. Quentin Jefferson came over from the Seahawks. Vernon Butler came over from the Panthers. And then you still had Harrison Phillips way down the uh, the line on the depth chart. I mean, you're talking seven, eight guys that they have uh, for a potential rotation on this uh, uh, defensive line. And I can't even forget the rookie where they got AJ Epinesa. Uh, They snagged him late in the first round with a massive steal in the, in the draft or sorry, in the second round. And, and, and that is eight guys that you have on this defensive line that can cause havoc on opposing quarterbacks and the rotation that I I can see uh, being had here on this defensive front is going to be paramount in keeping everybody fresh, keeping them healthy and, and, and always uh, pedal to the metal going after the quarterback. This defensive line is stellar. I mean, Ed Oliver, he was a beast in his rookie season. You can only think he's going to get better. Jerry Hughes finally has some support and I, and I would be shocked if he doesn't get back over the 10 sack mark in 2020. Where we were talking the weakness in the linebacking core, I mean, when you talk about Tremaine 
Edmonds. He is the stud. I mean, he's a youngster. What was he, 22 years old, and he just balled out last year. He was all over the field. I believe he led the team in tackles. He is a stud, a stud in the making, absolutely. He will only continue to get better. I really wanted to see the Bills add more to this linebacking core. They did sign A.J. Klein from the Saints, and they still have Matt Milano. Um, I'm not the biggest Matt Milano fan. I think he does a lot of things very well. Um, but when you're talking about that extra supportive linebacker to be that one-two punch for Edmonds, I just I, I don't think Milano's that guy. I think Milano would definitely be more as a uh, uh, a secondary piece coming off the bench um, to help you in specialty. Uh, schemes zones I think he would be very good in that department he did improve his rushing uh, capabilities last season so so I mean he he has a lot of upside I mean the coaching staff and McDermott they definitely love his ability I'm just not there yet I think I need to see a little bit more from Milano uh, AJ Klein he is a good player I mean he's solid he's not great he's solid um, um, you'll see him on the field that's for sure you'll be able to see him make in place but injuries again for him are a concern and and when it comes to depth the Bills don't have a ton of it with uh, Voshan Joseph uh, being the main guy um, to back up this entire uh, linebacking core. So that is a bit of a concern. I was hoping that they were going to hit something in the draft, but that didn't transpire as, as the linebackers were a little bit thin uh, coming into the draft. But when we jump into the secondary, so this is where the Bills, again, are going to compete hard. They have one of the best secondaries in the entire league. I believe they were uh, either top one or two or three. They were, they were hovering in the top three for secondary performance last season and it all starts with uh trey white uh tredavious white he is an absolute machine this guy was so locked down i think i even saw he didn't give up one touchdown pass last season he is stellar he is unbelievable and and he's only going to continue to get better i think when people had the conversation who was the defensive player of the year last year or or defensive secondary and, and the conversation was between him and stefan gilmore i believe you had to have given it to to trey white it, it went to gilmore but i i think uh, white got robbed in that sense just because he didn't get the national stage national media attention that he should have um, um trey white is an absolute machine he is an island corner he can take it to the house if he picks the ball off. His coverage ability is is bar none. He, he argue, arguably one of the best in the entire league, and I think his game is just going to improve that much more. The Bills also went shopping in the secondary, and they signed Josh Norman. So I know a lot of people are, are talking that this isn't that big of a signing, and 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 fair enough. And and I we've seen Josh Norman decline in ability. He isn't the same player he used to be. Uh, uh, back with the Panthers, even when he he was over with the Skins. I mean, uh, it's 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 tough to say. I'm still excited about uh, uh, the pickup for Josh Norman simply because now he doesn't have to be uh, the number one defensive back. I think he can fill a number two role um, to perfection. He won't be facing off against the wide receiver ones every each and every week. I think Trey will obviously take that assignment all day long. And then you got Josh Norman who can play uh, all schemes. He's obviously good in, in cover too. I really question his man coverage. Uh, sometimes we saw him get burnt. I believe the top end speed isn't there anymore, so that could be a problem. We should see a lot of safety help on his side. But this allows Trey White to now be that island cornerback. You, you, you drop a, a, a safety to Norman's side to help out in that regard and I think you're going to see a very very sound secondary uh, uh, for the corners uh, when it comes to the safeties Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde I mean they're these two uh, their chemistry is just unbelievable I wasn't the biggest Poyer guy uh, when he came over from Cleveland I, I thought he had skills but I didn't really appreciate his game until I watched him week after week and and what he does on the field he's actually a very very sound player he's not that that superstar uh, take notice type of guy but he's all over the field. He will always make the plays. He'll set up very well. It's it's very rare to see him get burnt. And, of course, you got Micah Hyde. This guy I love. When they signed him from Green Bay, uh, I mean, it was just a magic, uh, uh, magical conjunction for me for this defense. I think he is he is the true leader on that back end. Uh, I think he is one of the top leaders on this defense, and he will continue to be. When it comes to um, the Bills' um, depth on secondary, I mean, they still have some. you got Levi. Wallace still returning. They signed EJ Gaines again 
back that he was a familiar face. Um, you have some rookies coming into play. I mean, uh, we'll see how they 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 shape out, and then you have uh, Tayron Johnson. So I mean, I I I like this Bills secondary a lot. I would have liked to have seen more depth added. I would have liked to have seen a bigger splash uh, than Josh Norman. Um, but I, I don't hate the Norman sign whatsoever. So now let's jump to the offensive side of the ball where where uh, fantasy football players uh, will definitely appreciate this offense this season. So the Bills again, they made moves. They made big moves. They signed or sorry, they traded for Stefan Diggs from Minnesota. We all know this. This is already old news. And Stefan Diggs coming into this offense with John Brown, with Cole Beasley, um, I think is is absolutely phenomenal. When you look at these three, John Brown was a thousand yard pass catcher last season, playing that number one role to perfection. I wasn't, uh, and I'm going to be honest, because I wasn't necessarily over the moon when the Bills signed Brown um, from the Ravens. I was always concerned with his health. He did prove to be uh, quite reliable in that department. He played all games last season for the Bills. I believe he didn't really see the medical room with the Ravens either uh, very frequently, um, but he played very well. And, and now with Diggs on this team, um, when you look at opposing secondaries, who do they plan to cover? I mean, this is the staple of this team now. You have both Diggs and Brown can burn the field. They're, they're straight-up uh, field burners. They can they can make the shallow, over-the-middle crosses. They can go uh, mid-range. And, and I think then that's where you put in Cole Beasley. I think a lot of people are underselling what Beasley could be this year. The chemistry that was developed between him and Josh Allen last year uh, as the year went on, we saw that with the Dallas Cowboys game on Thanksgiving. Um, it, it was just unreal what we were seeing. Uh, uh, the maturation process between the two of them actually was taking shape. But as at that point, you still had the linebackers over the middle. You had the safeties able to cover. Now this, they have to account for both Diggs and Brown. Um, so I believe you're going to see a lot of free releases for Beasley. A lot of linebackers will not be able to stay with him. And, and I think you're going to see Beasley potentially have one of the bigger seasons for a slot receiver this season. Um, so fantasy football players, definitely keep your eye on that. Beasley, you can get him late in drafts. And, and I think uh, for the Bills, I think this is just a fabulous, fabulous trio. And not to forget, they did uh, draft uh, Gabriel Davis. This is another kid. He is a big-time big time weapon in the making his speed is a little bit in question but he is just a baller reminds me a lot of uh, uh, Brandon Marshall to some degree um, I did I studied a lot of his tape and I mean he is one of those underrated players that was coming out of the draft people uh, were thinking there's a lot of flags on his game but I really don't see it he's a beast of a man he is going to have a mammoth uh, role as the year goes on in the red zone I think he will he will be employed definitely in that department and and jumping now towards the running backs. so we haven't even covered the running backs you have Devin Singletary you have Zach Moss the rookie they drafted to replace Frank Gore um, so I mean when you talk about this one-two punch I I'm a fan of Singletary I think people undersell him undersell him quite a bit um, does he have that breakaway speed probably not we can say no um, but he is very shifty he can make moves he's deceptively strong and then you put in a guy like Zach Moss who who both of these running backs they can catch the ball very well so now uh, you have the option of throwing to either back when they're in the backfield which is a massive positive for any offense then you have Zach Moss who is that bulldozing back he will take the goal line reps so I mean in that respect you're gonna see Singletary possibly uh, get removed when it comes to uh, most of the goal line work and I mean that's understandable but I mean when it comes to the pass game I think Singletary will have that role as well um, it's a it's a very good uh, uh, running back room you throw in TJ Yeldon in that as well I think his role is going to be de uh, determined definitely on injuries um, that's the only way he's going to be a depth player at the most part uh, the offensive line for the Bills is very stout I mean if they can stay healthy you got Deion Dawkins you got Cody Ford uh, holding the edges and then you got Mitch Morse in the middle I mean this this team offensively is is now put together for the man 
Josh Allen. So let's take some time to discuss about Josh Allen. Lots of stuff going on uh, this offseason, hearing lots of stuff about Josh Allen. Still, individuals are not on his bandwagon. Fantasy football-wise, you're starting to see people start to come around on him because he is that dual-threat quarterback. He is, uh, well, he finished off what last season? I'd have to check. But, I mean, his statistics were very good last year, and he's been improving year over year. That's what you want to see. I believe his completion percentage went from 52% to about 50 58. So if we see even five per, uh, point percent jump on it this season, you increase his statistics to around 3,800 to 4,000, 4,200 yards, and you you hook up anywhere from 25 to 29 touchdown passes. This Bills team is going to be very difficult to stop on the offensive side of the ball. I, I really truly believe it. It's uh, I'm removing my uh, Bills homer fan base away, and I'm and I'm definitely speaking about it from an analyst perspective. This team is the team to beat in this division. Um, even with Cam Newton signing with the Patriots, I mean, there's no question about it. This is the division for the Bills to lose. Without Tom Brady now, Tom Brady's gone. It's 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 over for that uh, dynasty, that uh, drilling, the constant winning for the Patriots. This is the Bills' time. If they, if they let this slip through their hands, um, you're going to have, uh, I believe, potential massive changeover, um, potentially even Josh Allen being removed from this club. So I have a lot of faith in Allen. I think that he is a very strong quarterback. He competes every day. He's got the heart. I mean, his arm is just a, a cannon. Um, so I'm just saying, like I said, if he can up his completion percentage anywhere from five to six percentage points, I think you're going to see uh, glorious statistics with Stefan Diggs and this receiving core. I think it's it's all setting up to be something absolutely beautiful. So watch out for that. So let's dive into the Miami Dolphins. Um Sorry, Jets fans. I was going to hook it up first, but I think the Miami Dolphins are an intriguing, uh, intriguing club this year. Um, we knew that they were in tank mode uh, the season prior, and, and, and rightfully so. I mean, uh, Brian Flores came in from the Patriots. He was hired on as the head coach, and it was to rebuild this club in his vision. Um, and, and who can argue? I mean, the Dolphins have been mediocre for so long, um, and it's time. I mean, you need to finally put a winner on the field in Miami. And, and when it comes to this offseason, I really have to applaud what Miami has done. Um, obviously, the big news was they did draft Tua Tagovailoa um, from Alabama. This was the big, big draft pick. They needed that franchise quarterback for the future. Obviously, the red flags for uh, Tua are the injuries. He's coming off that hip injury. Um, how long is his career going to last? Is he made of glass? I mean, we've seen everything uh, from the Twitter sphere about talking about Tua. What's he going to be? Uh, what's he going to do? And, and, and I like Tua. I mean, I, I watched a lot of Alabama games. I, I definitely studied his tape, went back. And, and Tua is definitely a very good quarterback. He, he does remind you of a slender, more slimmer Russell Wilson. There's no question about it. They have a very similar skill set. Uh, he takes over the contest. He can he can throw the ball with supreme accuracy. So does Tua get in, in, in the contests uh, before week four or five? I really wonder. I think uh, the Dolphins are going to go with Ryan Fitzpatrick right out the gates. I think they might even potentially redshirt uh, Tua this season simply because they just don't want to risk him uh, having a massive career-ending injury with that hip. Potentially, he sits and learns for the first year, and I wouldn't be surprised with that one bit. Ryan Fitzpatrick is uh, uh, more than enough, uh, more than capable, I should say, uh, of leading this club. We saw what he was able to do. Fitzpatrick is one of those guys. He just slings the ball. He doesn't care. He's going to throw it wherever he believes, and they're going to try to be competitive. Um, um, that's going to be Miami's offense this season. But when you look at this club, offensive line-wise, I am not over the moon on this. This is going to be another, uh, this is a major weakness on this team. I mean, they did draft a lot. They drafted Austin Jackson um, um, to be that left tackle of the future. I mean, they went Salomon Kindley. They went Robert Hunt and Nick Cat, Cat Lemire. I mean, these are 
four rookies on the offensive line. So you know that they went to build this offensive line. The one I didn't like is they signed Eric Flowers to that mammoth contract. That's going to come back to bite him. I know Miami had cap space for days, but I mean, that one's going to come back and definitely bite him. Um, But when we jump into the receiving core, because I mean, the offensive line is still going to be the weakness, that's for sure. But this receiving core on paper doesn't look so bad as people think it is. I mean, they have depth out of the yin-yang. This is no question about it. Devontae Parker comes back last year, has a breakout, which is weird. I've had discussions with the guys with the Fantasy Headliners many times about Devontae Parker, and 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 we were saying, when do we ever see a fifth-year breakout, <laughs> right? I mean, uh, Parker has been... Uh, known as the guy, the the superstar in training camp, the the star in shorts. This has been Devontae Parker's uh, mantra over his career. He hasn't been able to produce consistently enough on the field. He always disappoints. His drop rates are huge. I mean, these are the problems that Devontae Parker still has. His drop rates still weren't uh, necessarily uh, rectified last season. Um, It's definitely still something that he has to work on in his game, but he did come out the gates uh, and he did perform very very well last year and I and I I, I don't want to say that I am a non-believer in Devontae Parker, but I, I want to see more. I want to see the consistency. I like his game. I like the way he plays. I just wish that it was, uh, maybe it's the heart that's lacking. Uh, I think that his competitiveness, uh, obviously he was on a contract year last year, and they paid him. They He, he was rewarded with his, with his performance, and I wonder if we're going to go back and see the old Devontae Parker now that he has gotten paid. So uh, he is a question mark. He has the ability but he is a definite definite question mark in my mind the receiver that I'm extremely excited about there's two of them and it's Preston Williams and Isaiah Ford these two guys I believe will be the future of Miami uh, Preston Williams obviously had that uh, those off off field issues coming out last year um, he went undrafted and Miami scooped him up and I mean he he showed extremely well. People didn't know uh, uh, where he came from in, in certain games. And then he, he also was lost to injury. But, I mean, if he comes back fully healthy, I think Preston Williams definitely turns into your wide receiver one on this Miami team. I think he will form great chemistry with both quarterbacks, with Fitzpatrick and Tua. I believe he will be the go-to guy. Uh, Devontae Parker could see himself kind of fade uh, if Williams starts to be that guy. Isaiah Ford, on the other hand, he has speed for days. He, he, Him and Jakeem Grant, these two guys can form a duo over the middle like no other. Their speed is unparalleled. I mean, these guys are matchup nightmares. So if you're putting both Grant and Ford in the slot in a four-man set with Williams and Parker, I mean, you got some problems as a defense. This is no kidding about it. And I'm not even talking about Albert Wilson yet. This is what I'm saying. They have receivers for days. Are they superstars? No, not at this point. But when you start looking at it, they are a very balanced room, uh, this wide receiver room. It is It is extremely balanced. They have a lot of guys ready to uh, to make things happen. I mean, they have Mac Hall uh Gary Jennings in the in the in the depth uh, waiting for their turn, but I mean, you don't even need him. Alan Hearns is even there. I didn't even mention his name. So um, when you start looking at it, and if Tua does win this job over Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, uh, and let's just say that Tua is fully healthy, no issues coming out of camp coming out of the preseason i truly believe that this offense could do something uh uh, worthwhile obviously like i said the 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 caveat is that offensive line for the pass game will either one of these quarterbacks have time to throw i truly uh can see uh both these quarterbacks so if not fitzpatrick uh being a, a league worst for sacks he will be hit a lot and 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 that's why i i say it's the potential for tua to sit the entire year is definitely there so hitting the Running backs now, we have Jordan Howard. He signed on as a free agent from the Eagles. And then the trade that happened with the San Francisco 49ers to bring on Matt Breida. I 
I like it. I mean, I've been always I've always been a Jordan Howard fan. Uh, I think he gets a, a lot of disrespect in this league, a lot of disrespect in the media. Um, Chicago, he he balled out. I mean, he took the ball, he carried the ball over 250 times with the Bears on more than one occasion. He is he is nearly a three time thousand yard rusher. I mean, with the Bears, it would have been three straight 1,000 yard seasons. He missed the boat by like 35 yards or something, and 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 that's just straight disrespect in my opinion. Uh, Jordan Howard definitely will be a a vocal point in this running game he will take goal line opportunities no question about that and i think with the mix up with brita now you're gonna have a good one-two punch uh at the hands of the dolphins uh, play callers i mean you have the opportunity here now to make something decent on the ground uh brita is another underrated running back he showed very well with the san francisco 49ers kyle shanahan uh liked his skill set but obviously he was the odd man out there and, and now he has the potential opportunity to form a a very sound tandem to keep uh this miami dolphins offense somewhat moving in the right direction i didn't even discuss mike gasecki so that's another guy i was a big gasecki guy the tight end i i was huge on him coming out of college i really believed um, that he was going to make waves in his rookie year uh last season was still something of a uh uh Nothing, nothing overly credible. I mean, what can we really say? It was, it was, he, he, he made strides. He made, he made waves, but I mean, didn't get to see everything I wanted. People are saying that Kaseki is the guy this year. I like the skill set, but I'm, I'm still cautiously optimistic. I, I like what he can do on the field. I think he's going to be a very good safety blanket for the quarterbacks, but with the receivers they have on this team, I wouldn't be surprised to see Gusecki actually left on the line to block a little bit more, but we'll see how that pans out. When it comes to the defensive side of the ball, we'll go through this one rather quickly because, I mean, they're still a building unit. This is obviously far from the polished product. They have revamped the defensive secondary, so we'll start there. Obviously, Xavier Howard, he's my guy. I I, I think he gets a lot of disrespect as well. He's played on some very weak Miami Dolphins clubs, and he is a true lockdown corner. If he has any any sort of safety support, you're going to see what Xavier Howard can do. He is a beast in his own right. And I, and I think when you put him up against like a guy like Trey White, like a guy like Stephon Gilmore, who all play in the same division, uh, mind you, I mean, Howard Howard holds a torch to both of those guys as well. I mean, these guys can all stand firm on a podium together, and you can basically say it's 1A, 1B, and 1C without question in my mind. They're all stellar, stellar talents. Then they have uh, uh, the Dolphins went shopping hard in the free agent period, and they cite Byron Jones to that monster deal. I think they overpaid Byron Jones. I would have, uh, if I was the Dolphins general manager, I would not have given up that much dough. But I get it. They needed to have somebody else on this secondary. It's about the building blocks. You're trying to start from scratch and you're trying to keep it going. And Byron Jones is a good, uh, he's a good defensive back. Don't get me wrong. Is he worth the money that he received? I mean, time will tell. But typically when we see high-priced defensive backs come from a, a one defensive unit to another it, it doesn't necessarily turn out well or it hasn't in the in the past few years that's for sure i mean when you talk about the safeties eric rowe and bobby mccain i mean there definitely is holes there as well uh you don't see too much depth and and they kind of reached on on noah i i don't know how to pronounce his last name so i'll say noah i as the nickelback i mean he could turn out to be a very stout nickelback but i mean I, he was a bit of a reach in my opinion when it came to the draft when it comes to the defensive line again they're not very stout they did sign Shaq Lawson from the Buffalo Bills to a to a handsome deal. They have Christian Wilkins and I mean that's basically your line at this point. Um uh you have Emmanuel Ogba. I mean, he can help in the rotation. He's never going to be that uh, steady piece uh, week in, week out that is going to take uh, away snaps from regular starters. But, I mean, at least you have something now uh, to build on from this defensive line. When it comes to the linebackers, they made a huge splash, and they got Kyle Van Noy. That was a big one. Van Noy, to me, is another underrated uh, player who who. He got his he got his credit in New England, but I mean Bill Belichick he knows how to use guys like Van Noy. Uh, Brian Flores is obviously very familiar with Van Noy with his time with the Patriots, so I think this is going to be a very good match made in heaven. Uh, you have Raquan McMillan, I think he's 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 decent. 
But you're going to see in the coming years, you're going to see uh, how much more the Dolphins upgrade at the linebacker position. But this defense is interesting. I don't think they're going to be as bad as a lot of people think they are. I think uh, the improvements on the secondary will help the cause. Um, um, but it's definitely not going to be a good season for the Dolphins. I think you're going to see potentially, uh, again, around that realm of five, six wins. Um, I, I, maybe you're going to maybe you're going to hit the seven and nine uh, this year uh, to finish third. Um, but I, I'd, I'll, I'll put my money on the fact that because now Cam's with the Patriots, I can see uh, another five to six win season, another early uh, exit, and then uh, building again once again from the NFL draft. So moving to the last team in the AFC East, the New York Jets. Here we go, Jets fans. Uh, last but definitely not least. This team, to me, is, so... I'll be honest, and my opinion is uh, uh, Adam Gase is the problem. Um, Jets fans, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, people who understand football and watch football uh, intently understand what I'm talking about. Adam Gase's time is up. Uh, he had his, his good days uh, with the Denver Broncos, with Peyton Manning. And, I mean, if I was the offensive coordinator there, I would have looked good too. Uh, let's not kid ourselves. Peyton Manning definitely brings up anybody in his circle, and that's what happened with Adam Gase. Adam Gase is vanilla um, offensively, in my opinion. I think he definitely needs to switch it up. He needs to do something completely different, alter his way of play, um, but you don't necessarily even have the horses to do that. Um, this offensive line, again, just like the Dolphins, um, it's going to have some question marks. You got some holes. They did uh, draft Becton, uh, Makai Becton, left tackle, so that will definitely help. They signed George Fant from Seattle, left tackle. Maybe he moves to the right side. I like that signing as well. So at least, at least the Jets addressed the problem. Um, that was big to me. Uh, you needed to revamp this offensive line, and at least you added more pieces to the puzzle. You have Brashard Perryman uh, signed in free agency. I think this was a big mistake. Um, Perryman, we know what he is, right? I mean, okay, he did blow up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and at that point it was the Jameis Winston 5,000-yard show. He was throwing it up to everybody last year, and everybody was making stats happen. Do we see Perryman be that difference maker uh, to take over from Robbie Anderson, who who left and went to the Panthers? Um, I don't see it. I mean, you're going to see potentially very similar statistics when it comes to Perryman uh, that Anderson had. Anderson never never broke 1,000 yards. Um, you could definitely see 45 receptions, 650, 750 for Perryman, and that's going to be it. I mean, four touchdowns, five touchdowns, unless he's going to be your, your main deep shot guy and uh, Sam Darnold's going to keep on feeding it. You're, maybe you're going to see uh, uh, touchdowns go deep all day long, but I just don't see it. Um, Perryman is what he is. I think uh, there's there's good potential for him to be a secondary guy. Um, so now we talk about Denzel Mims. Will Denzel Mims come in and be that that number one wide receiver that Jets fans have been have been dying for for how long? Um, and and that's possible. I mean, I did a lot of work on Denzel Mims. I think he is a very good player. Um, I think he has some work to do in his game. Uh, he's not the most nimble in the route running uh, uh, game. Uh, he definitely needs to work on his route tree, but it, but he is there. He is he's a very very good size. He has good hands. He's a physical receiver. He has wheels. I mean, he's very fast. Showed it at the combine. Um, so so if if Mims does step in as their number one wide receiver on the outside, then maybe Perryman is gonna be that secondary piece that will take tops off of defenses and potentially get you the seven eight touchdowns on those deep shots. So uh, the one guy that I really do love on this offense in the receiving game is Jamison Crowder. I think he goes unrecognized as well. I think. People know, obviously, know Jamison Crowder. They know what he can do, but he is that slot weapon, man. He, when he is in that middle, he can make defenses uh, frustrated all day long. Uh, Jamison Crowder should be uh, potentially your leading receiver on this team. Um, I, 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 it's a, it's a stretch, but I, I can see it happen 110%. I think him and Sam Darnold found chemistry, uh, uh, much like I was saying about you know Josh Allen and Cole Beasley. I think. 
this is uh, Sam Darnold's going to be his favorite target. I think I think Jamison Crowder is going to break 1,000 yards this season. Um, it's 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 a very much a hot take, but I think when you talk about this offense, I think if 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 Adam Gase gets his head uh, in the right position and starts calling this offense properly, I think you could see Jamison Crowder be that 1,000-yard wide receiver from the slot. I, I really do. Uh, when it comes to the running back room, Le'Veon Belt and the, the Jets signed Frank Gore. So this uh, backfield is quite interesting. So obviously everyone knows that Adam Gase wasn't a huge fan when the Jets signed uh, Lev to the offense. Uh, he has been rumored to be on the trade block because um, uh, apparently Le'Veon Bell does not fit into the Coach Gay system, which I just can't understand whatsoever. Uh, we know what Le'Veon Bell can do. We know what he has done. Um, he's a great runner. He could play ample amount of snaps in the pass game. Bell was begging for plays uh, from the pass game last season, just never got him. Um, his, his, obviously his yards per carry suffered the offensive line again, uh, is the issue, but they bring in Frank Gore. So I, I'm, I'm, am I concerned, uh, for Lev in this situation? I want to say yes. And I want to say no. I mean, it's a, it's a loaded question, but I mean, I think that Frank Gore definitely gives them something that the Jets didn't have uh, with that power change, change of pace. Uh, Lev, Lev can still lead any team. I, th- I think that year off, he, you didn't see much of his, his speed or his play drop off. I just think it was the way the Jets were scheming the offense, which, uh, which made uh, Bell not look as favorable. Um, so this backfield is still very much interesting. I think Bell does... If if the Jets, if the Jets, in my opinion, are losing before the trade deadline, I could definitely see Le'Veon Bell being shipped out uh, at the trade deadline for for spare parts. Uh, I I just don't see it happening. I mean, especially if Gase is going to continue on as the head coach, which I can't understand either. When it comes to the tight end position, Chris Herndon and uh, Ryan Griffin. So a lot of people still on board with Herndon, thinking he's going to break out. I, again, am, am, am off. I think Herndon, uh, with his, his medical trips uh, to the medical room, his inability to stay healthy, his inconsistent play, I mean, he has all the intangibles. He has the skill set to make things happen. Um, but I just I, I need to see it before I'm going to preach it. I mean, that's the best way that I can say it. Ryan Griffin came in last year. He built a good rapport with uh, Sam Darnold, and, and I think that's going to be, again, your money when it comes to the tight end position. When it comes to Sam Darnold, this is his year as well. Much like Josh Allen, like we said, he really needs to step up his game. He, he still is a turnover guy. Uh, that's his problems. The fumbles, the interceptions still are a problem. Um, uh, like it has been with a lot of these guys coming from this quarterback draft class. Allen has the problems. I mean, we've seen the other ones have the problems. Uh, I, I think Daniel, or excuse me, Sam Darnold, he, he definitely is going to have to improve his level of play. Um, do I be, do I like Sam Darnold? I like Sam Darnold. I think he's very accurate. I think he's very poised. Um, if, if he can actually take his game to the next level, uh, I think that the Jets will actually be very, very good offensive uh, they if 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 Mims can actually become that true number one wide receiver, I mean this offense could be something uh, to to watch in 2020. So jump into the defensive side of the ball. This unit was. Uh, actually, I believe they overachieved uh, last year. Uh, Greg Williams, the offensive or the defensive coordinator, excuse me, he did he did a marvelous job with what he had. Uh, the defensive line they still play a three four. Quinton Quinton Williams is your is your top dog on that uh, defensive line. I still think you have room to improve. Uh, you know, Steve McClendon and Henry Anderson, they're 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 okay pieces they're serviceable uh i think is the best way that you can talk about these guys they won't make uh make your head uh, uh bounce from back uh, back to back and forth because you're you're trying to scheme up ways to keep them out of your backfield but i mean they're definitely serviceable where this team actually has some teeth is in the linebacking core. You have C.J. Mosley. You have Jordan Jenkins. You have Avery Williamson. Williamson, excuse me. I think that you know you're gonna see if Williamson can come back to full health. 
I think you can see this be one of the better linebacking cores in the entire league. No question about it. C.J. Mosley, when he was on the field last year, was a wrecking ball. He was all over the field. The defense was that much better. And then even when he was gone, you saw how well uh, this defense was able to step up and come together. So I really, really think that they're a dark horse that a lot of people aren't talking about. They're very good in run defense. That is one thing that was impressive about the Jets. They were phenomenal against the run last season and I think that again is going to be the staple of this unit and they're going to have to be because the secondary still needs quite a bit of work I mean you still have Jamal Adams but with the rumors um, that he is trying to get out of New York he wants that contract hasn't been able to get it He's been trying to make his way um, to the Dallas Cowboys. But, I mean, clearly the Cowboys are cap-strapped as it is. They have Dak Prescott to sign. Um, they just signed Amari Cooper. So I, they have Zeke Elliott on the books. The whole offensive line is paid uh, uh, very sound money. Um, so, I mean, when it comes to the Cowboys, do we believe that they have enough room to pay Adams? No, I, I think that's going to be a, a moot point very fast. I I. I want to believe that Jamal Adams is going to stay with the Jets. I heard rumor uh, last week that the San Francisco 49ers uh, are in the mix. Uh, don't know how credible that was, um, but I did see it floating around Twitter. And, and if that was the case, I mean, you would see good compensation come back. Uh, to the Jets but I mean Adams is your guy as well he is a game wrecker he makes this defense what they are also uh, with CJ Mosley Adams is that guy uh, he is generate he is a generational talent from the safety position and I think it would be a massive loss if they got rid of him and then you would see the Jets defense actually take a turn for the worse even more they signed uh uh, Pierre Desir from the Indianapolis Colts defensive back. I, I'm not overly over the moon on this guy either. I mean, he's okay. Again, another serviceable talent. And then you have Brian Poole as the nickel, Arthur Millette as the other uh, defensive back. I mean, this is, again, a work in progress. You're going to see the Jets' uh, secondary be cooked quite often. It is, it's going to be like it was last season. Um, so they're going to have to try and, and play very sound uh, defense with the front seven in hopes that they can get sacks before the pass uh, gets off and burns the secondary. When it comes to finishing off the season and the standings, I think the Jets, if, if they become lucky, uh, uh, they have to do very well in the division um, for them to even think about a wild card. But they're there. Uh, if, if, if the offensive approach does change and Le'Veon Bell is used more in the schemes, I think you have a good opportunity um, to challenge for that wild card spot. I think Miami is going to be in the cellar. I think the Bills do win this division. So this, the wild card spot is, is, in my opinion, is going to come from either the Patriots or the Jets. And now with Cam Newton, like we have been talking about this entire show, I think that adds that dynamic that is going to make it very tough for the Jets to be successful, especially against uh, uh, the stellar defense uh, defensive secondary that the the Patriots have. Um, the New York Jets, I like the team. I think they have ability, but I think with Coach Adam Gase, he's always going to be your downfall. If they can bring in another quality head coach uh, with something of an offensive pedigree, I think Greg Williams is a fantastic defensive coordinator. I think he's got that all locked up. Even if a new head coach came in, I, th I believe that they should keep him uh, as the D.C., um, but a head coach is definitely going to be uh, something in need of change if uh, the Jets go another 7-9, and 8-8 eight and eight season. I think they're going to be uh, calling for his seat uh, before uh, week 8, uh, depending on how the season goes. But nevertheless, I mean, that is the AFC East. Uh, it's going to be a good showing, that's for sure. I'm very curious to see how everything pans out. Bill's Mafia, everyone should be excited in that regard. Uh, you have the potential to be the division winner for the first time in a number of years. I mean, and stay tuned for the next podcast as we will be breaking down the rest of the divisions in the NFL. So on that note, thanks for tuning in. We truly appreciate all the listeners. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore ADF1. You can find the show on Twitter at ADF Underground. The show is available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbeam, wherever you get your shows. So again, thank you very much for tuning in. We always appreciate you. And until next time, stay humble, stay peaceful, and take care of each other. I'm out.